All right, welcome, welcome. This is episode nine of our podcast called Behind the Wheels. My name is DJ Artistic. I am a DJ and a cultural curator based here in Los Angeles, California. I want to introduce you all to my co-host, EB. EB, what's good? What's going on, everybody? I am EB, the soul musicologist. I am a writer, blogger, and content creator based in Brooklyn with a love for everything black. Everything black, all black, all day, every day. Uh, this is Behind the Wheels. So what we do on here, we talk about everything uh, in regards to black music, the past, the present, and the future. So we have a couple of different segments uh, that we have coming up for you today. We're going to be talking about some classic legendary artists, some artists who are on the way, and discuss uh, some topics that people have been discussing on social media. So uh, before we get into all those things, we're going to catch up real quick. So one of the main things we're excited about right now is this next versus. Uh, we actually did have a, a, a debate about D'Angelo versus music a couple weeks ago, and it looks like it's halfway coming to life because D'Angelo is having D'Angelo and Friends versus coming up at the Apollo in New York. So, EB, I mean, what do you what are you expecting? Because it's saying D'Angelo v Friends as if it's like a, a concert presented by versus versus the usual. Right. Like twenty song format, song verse song, like right. It can go so many different ways. Yeah, I think because it's because it's D'Angelo number one, but definitely um, it's going to be something like celebratory. As you know, mm-hmm. he's doing it live at the Apollo, so of course he's going to have these celebrity guests come in. They're probably going to play songs together. Some songs he produced, probably singers that he's produced or worked with. Everybody will probably come in and it'll probably be, you know, just kind of honoring him. And it helps versus because they get D'Angelo, but it also helps yeah. D'Angelo because um, it's time for him to come back from hiatus again, finally. It is. It's crazy because we waited so long for um, Vanguard, the Vanguard album. Um, yeah. It feels like, how long ago was that? That was that was 2014, I think. It was that long ago, so it's yeah. already been like yeah, seven I was years still living since in DC. Yeah, it was it was definitely wow. 2013 or 14 when uh, the Vanguard came back, and wow. when he came back with the Vanguard, and before then, uh, what it was 2000, 2000, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we we so we coming was up 14, on that time, 14 years, and it's been seven. So it doesn't seem like it's been that long because it took so long just to get to that album, but. I'm expecting him to drop something else if he's doing verses. That's always the best platform to debut. Oh, yeah. If he has that new song, he's been signaling whatever it could be. Yeah, he'll probably drop an album this year. I, I guarantee he'll drop an album. I'm expecting that. Who do you think is going to show up? Because I'm everybody's speculating. Erica, they speculate. Yeah. Questlove, Erica, Quest, Maxwell, uh, Poiser, maybe. maybe Maxwell. I'm Raphael pretty Sadiq. sure Sadiq will be there. I'm. Pretty sure yeah. anybody who's New York, so I mean New York, Philly, like everybody he's worked with in between New York and Philly, I'm sure they're gonna show up to the Apollo for that. Yeah, Jill Scott, I would hope so. Yeah, I mean, if it, yeah, if it could be a whole a whole thing. I'll be happy about that. Honestly, I'm happy with whoever shows up because we don't get to see D'Angelo do much of anything. So it'll be nice to, you know, at least tune in for that one moment. Yeah, that's facts. I'm definitely looking forward to that. And along with that, the biggest news of this week was the uh, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame inductees. So uh, a lot of our favorite artists were nominated for that. So as far as the nominees go, let's see. We have Jay-Z. We have Mary J. Blige, of course. Your favorite, my favorite. Yeah. 
Uh, we got Shaka Khan. We got Fela Afrobeat, you know, legendary from Nigeria. We got LL Cool J. You know, we got Miss Dionne Warwick. So I'm definitely excited about that. Yeah, I think, I mean, I would hope that both LL and Jay-Z get in because the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame does not have a great track record with inducting hip-hop artists you know, for that great honor that they call the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. But um, also, Shaka deserves it. Dion deserves it. Mary definitely deserves it. Tina Turner deserves it. Tina and Shaka are actually in it, but they're in it with groups. So if they get in again, then they'll be a part of a special group that are nominated or have been inducted twice, but once solo and once with the group. That makes all the sense, yeah. How does it usually work with uh, rock and roll? Is it is it similar to sports where maybe half of them will be admitted, or is it usually a majority case goes? Because I it's, haven't really. It's normally it's closer to half, and it's mm-hmm. like yes, they vote, but the fans we can also vote every day. You can go to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame's website, and you can vote for up to five, I think, up to five people that you think should be inducted, and you can do that every day. Every day, okay. So yeah. that means if it's I'm looking right now. You said five, so it's about as far as who we just mentioned: Tina, Mary, Fela, LL, Dion, Shaka, yeah. Jay. That's that's like seven, eight. So that means every day we gotta vote for a good four or five of them different and just mix it up. Cause yeah, I, you just gotta do it every yeah. day. And they did release a preliminary poll that said I think Dion Warwick was closest to the bottom, but people like mm. Tina Turner were closest to the top for you know being inducted. Wow, that's so crazy. Far. I mean, I mean, I guess it makes some sense as far as who had to appeal the what we call the wide stri- wide scale mainstream appeal, but that's still nonsense to me. Like we gotta get Dion in there for sure. Oh yeah, you know, and she's trying hard. You know, she on Twitter. Dion <laughs> well, she, <ended> up. <laughs> she she, is, she been on Twitter. Yeah, I, I love her Twitter account. She's the she queen on of air. Twitter at this point. Like Dion work is doing on Twitter what nobody else will do. And she's letting it be known that she ain't ready to put up with nobody's shit. She said all the time, you know, you could be followed today, but unfollowed tomorrow. And I'm just no. like, yeah, that's right. No, seriously. She on there putting people in check and she, she asking questions. <laughs> if she don't know what something is. She's not afraid to ask it. And oh yeah. Yeah. If you know. come, yeah. If you come at her sideways, she going to check you like an auntie. So yeah, yeah she, she got to make the Twitter hall of fame of nothing else. I'm definitely rocking with her for that. So <laughs> That's what we have uh, going on in the world of music right now. The first segment we're going to be getting into, speaking of these legendary artists, uh, we have a segment that we do each and every episode that's called Rewind, where we mention some artists from the past. It can be anything from legendary artists that we talk about every day to those that we don't mention as much. So for this week, um, who would you want to pick for your your Rewind artist? So uh, Rewind is, it's a group that mostly everybody knows, but... Uh, I don't think they know much outside of, like, the one or two smash hits that they had. But it's Cameo. Cameo. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh. You know, the word yeah. up Cameo. Candy Cameo. Word up. That's everybody's favorite. It's, it's funny. everybody's yeah. favorite song. Everybody. They got those. They had those big 80s, the mid-80s hits that became, like, universal. Like, the older people liked them. The younger people liked them. And now the younger, younger people like them. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. But yeah, Cameo started actually back in the early 70s. So they were like 1973, 1974. They started uh, right here in New York City. And originally they were called the New York City Players. Uh, but yeah, you know, you know, everybody I mean, had hey. the players like, you know, but by Ohio. the time, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> by the time they were ready to release their uh, debut, 
you know, they found out that, of course, there was another group called the New York City Players because there are a lot of players in New York City. It's <laughs> a whole lot. It's a yeah, whole lot. Of- <laughs> it's, what it, it's what we do. So, um, yeah, they released their first album in 1977. And Cameo is one of those groups that they lasted so long in the business that we heard their sound evolve. So they started out really, really funky, like. It, they were almost like an Ohio players at one point, or they were almost like a Parliament Funkadelic in a lot, in a in a sense. But um, as they evolved and as the band grew, then you know we saw they got jams, they got the hits like the dance hits that don't ever quit. But then they also have ballads like "Why Have I Lost You" and "Sparkle," and I think they do their best Sparkle, at man. the ballads. Like their ballads are like top tier. Um, but they, they've always been around their, their definite foundation of the eighties. Um, songs like Candy, She's Strange. She's Strange goes, Listen, yeah. I like the way she walked. I like the way she talked, you know, all that with the rapping. <laughs> they was like, yeah. we can't pay nobody else. We're going to rap it ourselves. <laughs> they ain't need no Melly like, Mel. Yeah, yeah they, they didn't need none of they that. Had it was like, it, they had like 14 people at one point. So they was like, well, we can't wow. split the check no more. So <laughs> one enough. of us going to have to come up with a rap. But, you know, they set that foundation in the 80s. And in 2001, they were actually featured on Mariah Carey's song, Lover Boy. Um, because it was the hmm. song and, you know, the premise of Glitter was based on the song Candy. It was about the 1980s in New York. Um, but Larry Blackman, who was the lead singer, he also co-wrote that song. And then other people in the band, you know, they've toured with Outkast and worked on um, Miss Jackson and Prototype. Like, if you hear those songs live... Then a member of Cameo helped create those. And also oh, wow, uh, wow. gospel legend John P. Key, he actually started with and toured with Cameo, you know, really? back when he was in college. That was like, <laughs> that. <laughs> yeah, he got his wow. start, you know, with Cameo, you know, on the road. And back in, I think, maybe 2017, they were honored with the BET Awards and they did a whole skit on uh, Larry and his cod piece. You know, he wears <laughs> his cod yeah. piece over his... Uh, leotard that that, that thing yeah <laughs> yeah well, well that thing yeah that's what you do so uh yeah cameo is my rewind because you know they got the hits but i don't think people are really listening and jam like they're supposed to for sure i feel like with cameo so one thing i didn't realize but it makes sense um it might have been a few months ago i don't know who brought it to my attention but i was mentioning that when it comes to certain like white crowds that you get for like say a corporate party mm-hmm. uh of course um the black folks love candy but the white folks, um, they don't know Candy as much. And somebody was like, yeah, their favorite song is Word Up. They like Word Up. And yep. I was like, wait. And then somebody said that, that was their biggest hit. I didn't it believe was. it. That's, yeah. And I looked it up and yeah. It's it's uh, more commercial. That's what we're going to call it, more commercial. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just like uh, with groups like Atlantic Star, you know, the black people, we listen to Sin For Me and Circles. Hmm. But the white people want to talk about the secret lovers and the always, <laughs> like the big, big yeah. hits. It's, it's just nice. like the the... the different ways that we listen to music, you know, on yeah, sure. either side of the spectrum of blackness. Definitely happens. Same with cool in the game. They mean like celebration is the biggest yeah, song for man. whenever it's uh, anything in the world that it could be a championship game. It could be a parade. You're going to hear celebration. <laughs> but, yeah. but for us, we might go for something like summer madness. So, you know, it's, it might, might even be too hot. We just got a whole different we, yeah, we, preference. Celebration for is not typically what we would play from them. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, Cameo did have that type of appeal, and the 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 funny thing, the funny thing about Cameo to me is that they're the perfect example of a lot of groups and a lot of artists that whenever you come out, if your look is so to the T of that time, you have to keep that image forever. 
So yeah. whenever you see Cameo today and they still got flat tops and they wild still, colors and sparkles, yeah. it's like, it looks hilarious because they like 65, 70 with, with the flat tops. And I don't even know if it's really his hair. It might be a, it's, a, a, it's a, a lace front with it. A Gorilla yeah. Glue situation at this point. <laughs> it might be we some Gorilla Glue on it. There. It might be. I, it, it might be stuck there forever, but if he bald-headed, them follicles is dead anyway. So it's like, it's no issue. So <laughs> that's the way I see it. <laughs> But you're telling the truth. You know, they're from that time. So even like the cod piece and the the, the glitter and the, the outfits, it's like, you know, yeah, y'all, y'all, y'all look different, but we love yeah. them. You know, they're like the uncles that we all have had growing up that we just a yeah. little bit embarrassed by, but they always tell the best <laughs> stories. Yeah, oh, their so stories like, are amazing. You, know, you got to keep them around. Them, them, them good uncles. The hilarious uncles. They probably yeah. capping. They probably lying about some of it, but you, oh, you're going to accept the lies. Lie. <laughs> you're going to accept it because it's entertaining. So That's right. Much love to Cameo for that. So for my, my rewind for this week, I'm going to go into the 90s. So my pick for this week is actually Jeanne. We've mentioned Jeanne a couple times before, but definitely one of my favorite duos. And it's crazy when you look back at certain groups and realize they only had sometimes one and two albums. And with Jeanne, they really only had two albums. They had a few features, like they had the Busta Rhymes, It's a Party song. But for the most part, everything that we know from them mainly came from that first album. So with them, just like a lot of singers, they came from Philly. They met at Temple back in the day, and their typical type of name, you know, black folks love combining names. So it was Renee and, and Jean, so they made it, it was John A, and they converted that to John A to make it have some appeal. But they came with that first album, pronounced John A, and what I what I like to call that is uh, they hit us with a, with a three-piece. They came with three powerful singles that you still hear today all the time so i don't care what generation you're from you know hey mr dj you know groove thing you know sending my love and i feel like at the time hey mr dj was the biggest song that they had i feel like you probably hear sending my love a little bit more nowadays for some reason but you still hear them all it depends on where you are but i think a lot of the, the uh, millennials the the lower half millennials and gen z they love sending my love i think uh chloe and hallie somebody actually predicted it somebody on twitter maybe two years ago said that they would love to see them remake that song and it happened this year so chloe and hallie actually have a remake to that song uh, sending my love and they came they had a couple more songs they had tracks on um soundtracks and my favorite song from their second album was probably crushed they had a track called crushed that was Ooh. just the, yeah, the song man this video yes yeah it was just so smooth and i feel like when you hear that their music it's certain albums and groups from that mid-90s period that it sounds like the 90s, whether you love it or, or don't like it, it, it sounds so 90s. With them, it still sounds pretty modern. I don't think it sounds like, whether you hate the word dated or not, like especially Mr. DJ and Sending My Love, like Groove Thing, mm -hmm. it does have a 90s take on the Patrice Russian, haven't you heard? Like They slowed that down and kind of used that bass line, but even that is still just an upbeat track that it makes me miss those duos when they would sing back and forth with each other. and. That's one of those groups that I still listen to to this day. I still play their songs all the time. Yeah, I love, love Jeanne. Hey, listen, let's talk about Black Girl Magic real quick because let's only two black girls could meet at Temple and <laughs> one name be Renee. <laughs> and yeah. they'd be like, hmm, let's call ourselves Jeanne. And then it'd be like, nah, that's like everybody else. You know what? If we do it with a Z and a H, it's Jeanne. And hey. the rest is history. You know, they, but this is the thing. They can actually sing their asses off. They like, can. Together, they are amazing, but separate, because they still work separately. 
They, they sound so amazing. And you were right. Back in, you know, 94, 95, you heard more Hey Mr. DJ. It was a big song. And then they had the song with uh, Naughty by Nature, the Jamboree song where they were singing. They are the on there. Yeah. It was on the Low yeah. Down Dirty Shame soundtrack. But now, Sending My Love is the song that's connected most with, like, the younger millennials and Gen Z, like you said. They haven't had an album since 97, but those songs still stay around. And for three of them to come from the first album, that really talks about how good that album was. Seriously, I've heard uh, Sending My Love sample to a, a rapper who passed a couple years ago, Chinks Drugs, actually has a remake mm. of that song. And it's it's dope. He, he sounds like just like... Uh, if you if you heard Met the Man or somebody on a song back then, like he comes on with that smooth New York flow and it's it's just a perfect combo. So I feel like those songs are just basically timeless. And it's one of those groups that you never really heard why they split. I'm not even sure. They see this is the thing. They keep it so in house, which I love. <laughs> they're like, <laughs> mm-hmm. no, we don't want y'all knowing our business. We not for the drama. Yeah. It's they but they do not communicate. <laughs> they, don't they don't follow each yeah. other. They don't talk <laughs> wow. like Jean never talks about ever. I never see her repost anything, Jeanne. But Renee, wow. I feel like the majority of what she posts has to do with Jeanne and like looking back. Um, but not mm-hmm. Jean. I think Jean is more focused on like her group with her husband and doing other stuff. But yeah. I, I mean, it it could be over. A, who knows? It could be over a boy. It could be over yeah. a, a Popeye chicken sandwich. At this point, <laughs> we just don't know why. They split, yeah. and I'm hopeful that they will reunite, like at one of the BET Awards or something. Come back and yeah. come out singing "Hey, Mr. DJ." You know, just take us back. I'll be hyped if that happened. That's true, because I mean, it's one of those things where you know it had to be serious. I mean, because if if they just split and there's, there's no communication, there's no talk. It's good that it was in house, like you said. It was yeah. pre it was pre social media, so it was no speculation. There was no yeah. rumor. Like I heard she was dating the dude that you know and. And it's not always about a guy. It could be about music. It could be it about. It could be about anything. It could be yeah. creative it, direction. Who knows? Listen, yeah, because I mean they. Because yeah, they are creatively. I think if you listen to them separately, you can hear the difference of style. So maybe yeah. one wanted something that the other didn't. Who knows? Yeah, it could be the case. So either way, much love to them for what they did together and separately. So yeah. that's our rewind for this week. Uh, next up, we're gonna flip it. We're gonna do fast forward. Fast forward is where we discuss some artists who are making some strong waves right now, making some impact, and we see them being a, being a force in the future. So who would your pick be for this week? All right, so I discovered this girl and kind of fell in love because it reminded me of an Amy Winehouse meets maybe like a Corinne Bailey Ray musically. Her name hmm. is Celeste. Um, she was born in America. But she was raised in London, so I'm getting closer. Still to UK, like, yeah. yeah, I'm, I'm getting closer to it being like American, American, because she is American. I mean, you know, you know, she was born here. I mean, born here, yeah, yeah. Technically, but, technically. yeah, technically, she's American. But like I said, she reminds you of like an Amy Winehouse or a Corinne Bailey Ray. Um, hmm. Her parents are British, obviously. Um, she's also half Jamaican, and her. Influences were people like Aretha, Ella Fitzgerald, Sly and the Family Stone, Alice Coltrane, Thelonious Monk, and Ray Charles. So far, she's only released one EP, and her solo album just came out earlier this month. Her EP was called Lately, and her debut album is called Not Your Muse. Um, The songs Hmm. that people should check out are Strange, Love is Back, and Both Sides of the Moon. So if you like that 
Brit sound, if you like live instrumentation, if you like Amy Winehouse, if you like Corinne Bailey Ray, if you want something that you can just relax to, and an artist who actually, her voice is like very comforting for some reason. It's like very versatile, comforting voice. Then you should definitely check out Celeste. Definitely. I haven't heard of her before. So just yeah, everything just you described, yeah, everything you just, you just described makes me want to check her out and see what she has. Cause it sounds like I can just picture her vibe. It just sounds like something I can drive down PCH and just cruise yep. and just I don't know what PCH is, but yep, yep. It's something you can drive to oh, look at you. Hey, through. It's, <laughs> hey. Basically it's it's Pacific Coast Highways. One side is just the mm. ocean. So imagine you driving, you see the coast on one side, where is this yep. water then and you see the mountains on one side. That's Celeste all the way. That's yeah. her music. That is her okay. music. It's it's a uh, it's it transports you to like this tranquil place in life and that sounds like it's very relaxing don't fall asleep don't drive over the cliff and we good yeah got you got you with that all right i'm gonna check her out for sure my pick for this week is actually d smoke so mm. d smoke um a rapper from inglewood i would say he definitely has somewhat of a unique trajectory but it's not too surprising in this in this era because um with him he's been around rapping since his first project was probably about 16 years ago. He had a project a long time ago called Producer of the Year, 15, 16 years ago. And he's from Inglewood, so he grew up not too far from me and everybody who I grew up with in L.A. But I didn't really know him by name or know who he was directly until he was on Rhythm and Flow on Netflix. And it was actually my my manager and her husband who uh, who... We're watching Rhythm and Flow one time. I was at their house, and they're like, yeah, it's a dude on here. My favorite dude is from Inglewood named D Smoke. And I'm looking at him, and I'm like, he looked familiar, but okay. I couldn't tell where, where it was from. Like, you know, typical L.A. rap circuit. You've seen people forever, but you don't really know where they came from. So just watching him there, I was like, yeah, he has somewhat of a Kendrick type of uh, vibe, but it's still different. I'm like, he's rapping bilingual. He's playing piano. So he he's talented. And then um, when I actually was able to meet him, I realized that, okay, I know exactly who you are. He actually used to run a spot with one of my friends called Woodworks that's over in Inglewood, and it was like a kind of a live recording studio slash small performance piece. And he was a type of, he's one of those rappers who a lot of times, new rappers, they've been doing things involved with music forever. So even before he was uh, blowing up with, with rap, he was just running this studio, and he's always been, been a factor in, in that way. And he was also a teacher teaching, I think, maybe history or something like that at Inglewood High. So he's not the typical rapper, and because he's in his mid-30s. So it's like, we're so used to back in the day when rappers came out at 19, 20, but now we have rappers who come out as veterans. So when you hear his first album, Black Habits is his first actual album. He had maybe an EP a couple years ago, um, Inglewood High, but this first album, Black Habits, is Grammy-nominated, and that's to come out the gate with a Grammy-nominated album, and when you hear it, it's high quality, and it, it shows you that. You can tell he's been around for a while. It's a very polished album, and it does, as I mentioned before, it has some Kendrick vibes, but it still has, he has his own style. Like, the first song that they sent me was called No Commas, and No Commas is like the kind of the street single, the kind of lyrical, the, the hardcore drums, and with him being a West Coast rapper, you can tell on certain songs, like Top of the Morning um, is just a straight West Coast type of vibe, and Gasper Yanja with Snoop. Of course, Snoop is on it, so it feels West. But some tracks just feel like it's just hip-hop. You can't even put a region to it. Like the main track, Black Habits, you see that video and see them at, at a plantation and just see the concept behind it. And just hearing what he's talking about, just black excellence. Like it's, 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 it's so far from the stereotypes of what we're so used to hearing. And when we discussed the, the, the artists who were nominated for the Rap Album of the Year this, this year, 
he he perfectly represents that. All five of them had like hip hop projects where they were not commercially forced. Like he doesn't have a single radio song on there that's like getting major radio play, and he doesn't need it because he's still been able to reach that height with what he has with, with a strong project. So once again, for this to be his breakthrough project, I'm like, what are you, what are you gonna do for your second and third album? So it's the sky's the limit for him, and I'm I'm definitely looking forward to it. So. Uh, as far as you being in New York, were you familiar with him at all, or what did you I even know about him? So okay. I recently got familiar because one of my sisters is in love with D Smoke, and she okay. wants to um, probably marry him and have all of his babies. Hey. I don't know, but uh, she told me that his, he was brothers with uh, the singer Sir. Yeah, and yeah. I I found out who he was that way, and then I started looking him up, and I found out that he um, co-wrote and produced Jaheem's Never which was like a big, uh, you know, adult AC radio hit a couple years ago. And I didn't realize that he wasn't just, you know, you hear the rapper names. It's like the freshman class or something from Double XL. Double XL, yeah. Yeah, like you see that and you're like, okay, you know, you hear these names and you're like, all right, I don't know who that is. But after looking through his credits, I was like, yo, dude, okay, he's he's really talented. He's got some versatility in him that he can do songs with Jaheem. But then also like his work, like you said, the sound is very, very West Coast. And as someone who doesn't live on the West Coast, when I hear certain things, I'm like, yeah, that sounds Cali. Like, that sounds, it's like a Snoop song. It's like, that sounds like Snoop. So, um, yeah. D Smoke is definitely one to look out for. I've been paying attention, but I'm I'm looking forward to seeing what else he has because he came out the gate kind of big. Yeah, he did. He did. So, um, I'm definitely looking forward to that. And yeah, their whole family is musical. So, it's... Him, sir, then their brother Davion Ferris too. He's also oh, R&B singer. Yeah, then his dad was a singer, I think. I know his dad's a pastor, but I think he was a singer. His mom's a singer. So their cousin, Ebron, uh, uh, is a DJ. It's like the whole family is just connected with wow. it. So he comes from that type of lineage. You can hear it. You can just tell it's not, you can tell he's not a here today, going tomorrow type. Like they worked on that project and mm-hmm. salute to DJ Shanks for for uh, looking over that project and making it what it is, helping it to become what it is. So uh, much love to D-Smoke. And for everybody who's listening, every artist that we've mentioned, we have on our playlist. Each episode, we do have the Behind the Wheels playlist, which is available on Spotify. So make sure that you look in the uh, liner notes for the episode. We have the link for that. So at this time, we're going to go on a break. And when we come back, uh, we're going to talk about something that we've kind of brushed up on already. Um, um, Neo Soul. We're going to talk about Neo Soul and just, you know, the genre or subgenre in its entirety. And we're also going to have a beat match. This time, we're going to get a little bit, a little bit, uh, you know, intense because it's going to be debating two of our favorite hip hop or hip hop and soul based producers. And it might be kind of divisive, but hey, that's what we're here for. So go ahead and grab your, your water, your champagne, whatever you're drinking. Um, and we'll be right back in a couple minutes. Welcome, welcome back. So once again, this is Behind the Wheels. I am DJ Artistic, and we have EB right here alongside me. So the drop for this this episode is going to be about Neo Soul. It's based on the email that we received. Um, the email we received requested us to just discuss Neo Soul. They want us to talk about the origin story, the underrated artist, or even the overhyped artist, 
Wyatt didn't sustain, not just in the sound, but in meaningful content, and Wyatt didn't break through commercially to that level. Although the main acts still do have huge followings, and the main acts that, that were mentioned were Maxwell, Jill Scott, D'Angelo, and Erica Badu. So let's see. So Neo Soul is one of those things that is still talked about daily, especially if you were there in that generation. I would say anywhere from the 30s up to even the early 50s crowd was probably the biggest um, direct target base for it. The actual title was given by Kedar Massenberg. I know that back in the late 90s. And yep. I think he was a label exec or something like that. And yep. uh, we can get into everything. But one thing that I remember hearing is that a lot of artists didn't like the label. And a lot of times when certain subgenres come around, artists don't like the label. But we can get into that. Um, we can get into that in a minute. But the first thing I want to say, similar to how we broke down New Jack Swing, what do you feel was like the first Neo Soul song or album or what group? Because it's so many different points that people point at and look at, but it's kind of hard to say right. who was the actual origin. It's hard to pinpoint exactly, you know, which sound. I mean, we know which artist was the first because they were labeled like the queen of Neo Soul. Um, if you yeah. listen to like Erica Badu and yeah, Baduism, um, but I would go, I go back to like the eighties and listening to groups like Loose Ends or Soul to Soul, because hmm. basically what Neo Soul is, it's nothing different than regular hip hop soul. The only difference is there's live instrumentation, um, because yeah. they both have the same, uh, they're built on the same elements of hip hop samples and they're built on, you know, these soulful vocals over the hip hop samples. Um, so I, I think groups like soul to soul and loose ends probably, I'd probably say they were, um, some of the early ancestors of Neo soul. Yeah. A lot of people didn't like the title. And I, I agree. Like sometimes I'm like, cause they weren't doing anything different. What it is, is it was just mm -hmm. a way to market it differently. So, yeah, that's true. That's true. you know, a singer like Erica or a singer like Eric Benet or even Jill Scott or an Indie I could also have a uh, radio airplay and compete with somebody like a Mariah Carey or a Tony Braxton or a Faith mm -hmm. Evans who weren't necessarily using all of the elements with the live instrumentation, but they still were building their music upon the samples. They still were singing soulfully and, you know, in a throwback to the old school. Um, but yeah, Soul to Soul and Loose Ends, those are the two that I think hearing them i'm like okay i can see how you know neo soul evolved from what these groups were doing in the late 80s yeah because i we've had debates about that like what do we even call that era because some people have called it british soul we yeah. heard that acid jazz had some roots in that era too mm -hmm. and like even like brand new heavies type artists like we've heard them be mentioned in that kind of acid jazz era but some of that has some type of influence or some type of like ancestral roots, I would say, to Neo Soul. And even, I even question like, so Tony, Tony, Tony in some ways yeah. has a Neo Soul-ish type of sound to me. And then even Groove Theory, even we just mentioned Jeanne, like yeah. some of what they did to me, if, if it had been released five years later, it would have definitely been labeled as Neo Soul because it didn't sound like what Maya or Destiny's Child or Shakespeare did with TLC. Right. So I feel like that could have been labeled the same way, but it came before that label was even there. So with that, even with D'Angelo, when he dropped Brown Sugar, that term Neo Soul wasn't really out. But by the time he came back with Voodoo, it's mm -hmm. like, oh, that's Neo Soul. And it's like, 
is it or if if it was that means brown sugar was but is it just because that's what we call it now so it yeah it's kind of those labels do get tricky but i heard a lot of times artists didn't really roll with that as you said and it feels like when you mentioned the the different sounds um 2000 so i actually made a a video mix of just all the r&b songs from 2000 that were huge and i had to separate the first half was the commercial songs the second half was what what are singing is more neo soul and in the mm-hmm. middle i had the songs that kind of sounded like it can kind of go either way so the beginning i had the maya i had like the the best of me i had the case of the x i had destiny's child jumping jumping then i i kind of moved into like the carl thomas i wish the mm-hmm. summer rain the uh Donnell Jones might have had a song at that time. Uh, even like Rough Ends had songs that were a little bit more soulful than the commercial synthesized sound, but it wasn't quite Neo Soul. Then the right. Neo Soul, we had those four albums that we discussed before. We had Music, uh, which is still not as deep in Neo Soul, but still, I mean, it's the same, still the same lane, I would say. You had the Music album, you had Jill Scott's debut, you had the uh, Mama's Gun, Erica, and you had Voodoo from D'Angelo. And those four albums, to me, were like the most definitive for that year. And then in that same period, you had like Maxwell. So it's like, I'm assuming everybody sees Maxwell the same way in that same genre. Right. And and with those, those were like the main artists that you heard be, be labeled as Neo Soul. Even with hip hop, like the Roots had a lot of songs that were bordering that. Even Bilal, when Bilal came out, you, I'm sure everybody sees Bilal as being, being yeah, Neo Soul. Bilal yeah, Bilal or Van Hunt. I think Van Hunt, yeah. the majority of it, the difference is in the production style. Like, the commercial stuff was more synthesized as opposed to the live instrumentation. And I think if any city had to be crowned, you know, the home of Neo, yeah. so it would probably be Philadelphia yeah, because sure. that's the sound that was coming out of the city at that point. And part of the reason they call it Neo Soul was because if you go back to the 70s when the sound of Philly was coming out of uh, Philadelphia International Records, that was the new soul of America because Motown wasn't as soulful during the time. So then by the mm. time Kidar had oh, to yeah, bring, yeah. you know, market this this new subgenre, he's like, well, let's just build upon the legacy of the city because the city is already one of the greatest musical cities in the world, not even just in the United States. He's like, okay, you know, that was soul. We'll just call it new soul. So it's, it's now neo yeah. soul. But it's the yeah. same thing these people have always been doing. You know, there are big underground scenes in cities like Dallas or Atlanta yeah. or Chicago or even New York City where, like, the underground scenes, the musicians aren't as famous, but they are just mm-hmm. as talented, if not more talented than those who are famous. So now you got yeah. this genre to quantify, you know, this is what this is. This is Neo Soul. We can sell this. You know, put on a head wrap. You know, light <laughs> yeah, some incense. Yeah. You know, <laughs> hold up an onk. You know, namaste. Count to 10. You know, something. <laughs> you know, it's like we got to make yeah. it seem like it's different. But then a lot of people did get a lane from that. Like music got a great intro from that, like having that lane. You know, Jill Scott. That's true. Think about like Erica. Like if they had come out and there was no term for it. And there was no way that this was being marketed. They would have got lost in the shuffle because they was playing no scrubs and, you know, yeah. they was playing bills, 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 you know, <laughs> like that's just what it was. It's just a way to market it to a different audience. I still think Erica's the queen of it. I, I wouldn't say that those acts didn't break through commercially to the same levels because I think Erica Badu is one of the most recognized artists, no matter where you go in the world, like. People know mm. who Erica Badu is. People know who D'Angelo is. 
I think people probably yeah. know who Jill Scott is. It, it, I, I just think it's a different lane of commercial success. It's similar to fashion in some senses where whenever something that comes out is, is too trendy and too flashy, it might mm-hmm. be the biggest thing at the time, but it's not going to sustain versus mm-hmm. what's this classic and it stays around forever. Like a classic T-shirt or buttoned up in jeans, it just looks more classic than uh, than what, what, we, what we have back then. It might have been a uh, iceberg sweater or a throwback jersey. You know, those things didn't always sustain the same way. In the same way with, with the, the soulful sound, because to me, I've always just felt with music, acoustic music is always more timeless, period. And whenever you're going synthesize, the way that synthesized sounds change up every year or two, it's always going to make stuff sound dated quicker. So that's the reason that certain music from the 70s still sounds so good. And certain artists like Linda um, Dawn, they make a song that sounds like it's in the 70s right now, mm-hmm. but it still sounds great because of those those acoustic instruments. And I feel like... The fact that most of these neo-soul artists had that acoustic type of sound, that's the reason that that music still does sound as good today. Like, I don't think anything that I enjoy from that era of neo-soul doesn't sound as good today. And even even comparing it to what was so groundbreaking at the time, because what's hilarious to me, you probably remember it too, late 90s, 98, 99, everything was about being futuristic because we saw the 2000s is going to be... So that's everything from the music videos, the Janet and Buster video to yeah. No Scrubs video to just Scream, the way Outkast was still sounding. Yeah, Scream, yeah. exactly. Like, So it felt like everything was trying so hard to say the 2000s is going to sound like this. And conversely, you had this whole sound that was based in the 70s. And you look back now, and that still sounds great versus everything that sounded so futuristic then, it almost sounds silly now. A lot of those, sound, those songs don't even sound the same because they're trying so hard to be futuristic. And by 0304... The soulful sound, even with hip hop, had taken over because even with the Kanye and Just Blaze, that wasn't neo soul, but you can say they might have taken cues from that and they were sampling soul music. And that's why you hear certain stuff from Blueprint and it still sounds good because it had that soulful element to it. Yeah, and you can even go back to like the early 90s listening to like A Tribe Called Quest or, you know, any group that incorporated elements of jazz and live instrumentation and what they were doing. Those are all, you know, subgenres that combine to make this other subgenre of neo soul and i yeah. think the music from that subgenre has aged a lot better than others because of the live instrumentation like you were saying it because it yeah. it's not one of those styles that gets lost in oh this definitely was 2000 or <laughs> oh yeah, this definitely yeah. was 1970 you know it For wasn't sure. it wasn't um as heavily produced but it still sustains today and i think uh for the artists who wore the faces of neo soul back then a lot of them have gone on to have great careers by just being still like they're still doing exactly what they were doing then they didn't have to work to change because oh now everybody's doing this or now everybody's doing that they could still just be definitely i agree with that and um before you move on um do you think there were any artists who were slept on in that era? Anyone who was underrated or who didn't get the love or shine that they were supposed to get? It was a lot yeah. of them, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, <laughs> uh, I, you and I have talked about Adriana Evans before, you know. First people, one I was thinking, yeah. Yeah, like Adriana yeah. Evans. Um, if you were not Erica Badu, Angie Stone, D'Angelo, Maxwell, maybe a Jill Scott or Eric Benet, then you were yeah. slept on because a lot of them were making like great music. I'll say Bilal. I'll throw Bilal in there. Yeah, Bilal, Van Hunt. Those yeah. top, top names. Beyond that, it was a lot who did get slept on. Once again, salute to Neo Soul because I still enjoy it. And 
a lot of artists are still making that type of music. So whether we call it, whether it's a label or not, I enjoy soul music. So yeah, that's what it's all about. So uh, from this point, we're going to move on to our last segment. This last segment, all right, so it's called Beat Match. We do this every episode, and with Beat Match, we take, it could be two artists, it could be producers, it could be albums, eras, whatever it is. Me and EB will choose a side and debate who would come on top in the battle. And, you know, we've been having, you know, he's won a couple, I won a couple, you know, I'm not yeah, going to yeah. keep count, you know, but either way, we're going to see who uh, comes out with this one. Like um, more, but okay. Anyway, anyway, so... We actually have it judged by our producers. We have Melissa and my lady. They always judge it, and they will give their input on who they thinks won the uh, the debate. So, for this beat match, um, last last week uh, we celebrated the birth date of uh, Jay Dilla, the producer originally known as JD, but we call him uh, Jay Dilla probably because Jermaine Dupri had the uh, name JD, of course. And then that's you know that was his his birthday last week, and to me. He's one of the greatest producers of all time. And one of the debates I've been hearing for years is about, of course, we've heard everything from Dilla to Dilla versus uh, Q-Tip or Dilla versus uh, even DJ Quick. But I've been hearing a lot about Dilla versus Premier and who people prefer as a producer. And with that, EB, who would you pick if you had to pick one of those two? If I had to pick one, because I do love them both, um, it's probably Primo, DJ Premier. Really? Really? Yeah. Okay, okay. Well, my pick is Dilla. Uh, almost easy, but I mean, it, I do I do love Premier. He has some classics for sure, but I'm rolling with Dilla on this one. So what we do in this, in this format, we debate, we go back and forth, we have rebuttals. Uh, you know, EB, since you're my guest, I will let you go ahead and get this thing started. So why do you think Primo would come out on top against Dilla? They both have signature sounds, but Primo is like, the classic sound of New York. Like he is a cornerstone of like East Coast hip hop on all levels. Like in the 90s, when you thought about an East Coast producer, that was one of the first people that you thought about. Um, it's pretty tough because they both have a lot of the same styles, but Primo does this thing where, first of all, he has like this immense knowledge of the music that he, he's sampling or whoever he's producing so he huh. has a style where he takes different parts of different songs and it could be the same song different elements they could be different songs the same element he will stitch them together to make a new song and he also does one of my favorite things is when an artist samples themselves he's <laughs> like really big on that like okay well you know i'm working with you let me think, okay, you had a hit song, you know, 10, seven, three years ago. Let me sample that and tie it in with the new sound that you want to build upon. I think he is one of those people who, he's an encyclopedia of knowledge. Like, you can't name a song from hip-hop, jazz, rock, whatever genre. You can't throw it at him and he not be able to name it back at you. And then he could probably hmm. scratch it in his head, like in five seconds. Like, you know, I'm going to take this from this Nirvana song and I might take this from a Q-tip, a, a tribe song, and I put it together. And now it's a new phrase that somebody got to listen to. And he was also part of Gangstar. I mean, anybody who is a hip-hop head will know Gangstar is one of the best hip-hop duos. And it's rare that the DJ of the group goes on to be the most famous one. <laughs> and that that's what he did with Gangstar. Like, yeah, everybody loves Guru, <laughs> but yeah. you know, 
everybody knows who DJ Premier is. Even if even if you don't know what he looks like, if you've never heard an interview, you'll know a DJ Premier song here. He has a, a distinct style. Okay, I can rock with that. So, yeah, Primo is definitely one of my favorites. I mean, what he did with Nas is like is insane. But I feel like Dilla, um, I would say for me personally, outside of, I would say, Dre and Quick, Dilla has to be my favorite producer, especially for hip-hop. Um, Timbaland's up there as well. But the thing with Dilla, Dilla is, for one, I feel like everything Primo can do, Dilla can do something like it, but he could do a lot more too. So when when Dilla came out the gate, he came in there with Farside. So he's giving you songs like Running, like Drop, like She Said. And then he gets with Tribe. And I'll say a lot of folks didn't really care for what he did with Tribe, but it was still, if you listen to it, he, he made some great music with them. Like Once Again, and a lot of those songs on there were banging. But when he came back on that last Tribe album, Find A Way, that's one of the craziest beats I've heard. Like Find A Way is so cold. And then... When he really caught his stride in that 98, 99, 2000, when he got with that, with, with the Uma, with Q-Tip and everything they made. So the, the Common album, you, you listening to Light Water for Chocolate. That first uh, that first intro, the uh, the, the Line intro, that's one of the dopest drum beats I ever heard. So he had that then doing it. He flipped the Rick James um, bass line, Give It To Me Baby, and just chopped it up and just made a funky, smooth track. He's playing keys on top of it. And that's one advantage I say is that he's a musician as well. Like Primo is a genius when it comes to samples, but Dilla can can go without samples. He can just take a small sample, but he's gonna play everything on top of it. And then we hear the light. The light is one of the most epic hip hop songs, of course. The way he flipped that Bobby Caldwell, he had that. But along with that same era, the same year, he had the uh, the, the stuff he did with Erica. So I'm not sure if he did produce Clever. I'm not gonna count Clever because it's. He's not officially credited for producing Clever, but everybody says he did that. But things you know, like, that's something that most rap producers are not making a soulful, smooth groove like that. So when I hear things you know, it's just like, that's just something that's so fire. And that's just what he was doing outside of the group. So the same way that, that uh, Primo had Gangstar, Dilla had Slum Village. And Slum Village, the, the thing that, that's crazy is that their biggest songs came after Dilla left. But they were big enough to have those songs because of what Dilla established for them. So before they had Selfish and Tainted, they had that fantastic volume two. And that whole album, I'm talking about the intro on there to, to Climax, to Players. The song Players, it's not even saying Players, it's saying Claire. And the way he modulates that and flips those sounds to make it sound like it's saying Players is just so genius. And it has Get This Money. And when you hear the way that he flipped the sample for... Um, for raise it up it's from a, a random techno song if you if you heard the original song even as a producer dj you would hear this and just ignore it you might just think this is some nonsense let me cut this off he chopped that up and threw some drums on top of it and made it a, a banger and it's like for him to do that was just so genius to me so that all happened even before he started making his his project his projects like his finale uh donuts and working with mad Lib. so that's just the the first part of what i have to say about um dilla so I'll let you get your rebuttal in right now. Yeah, no, Dilla is great. He is one of the greats. Um, I think you were mentioning Dr. Dre and Quick and Dilla being amongst your favorites. Um, you know, they actually said that Primo was the, one of the world's greatest hip-hop producers right behind Dr. Dre. And I have to agree, I think... Primo is definitely hip hop, but I don't think hip hop restricts him. You know, he can work with anybody from any genre. Like he's worked with 
Christina Aguilera, he gave her a big hit with Can't No Other Man. He's worked with Limp Biscuit. He's worked with Kanye, Janet Jackson, D'Angelo. You know, that hmm. that Lady remix is classic. Like, Ladies are already yeah. a great song, but the remix and the video, people remember with AZ, that was that was primo. I think that, you know, he he's worked with people like Heavy D and Soul to Soul, which is great, but he was instrumental in the careers of Biggie, in the career of Nas, and the career of Jay-Z. Like, he was on all of their debut albums. Like, he helped to establish them and their sound as one of, you know, the premier, no pun intended, DJs in hip-hop. A lot of Dilla's legacy rests on the fact that he passed early. It It is, you know, we, we appreciate and remember Dilla, but a lot of that is because he passed early. And that happens with artists. Not to say that his work isn't great, because it is great, but a lot of his legacy rests on the fact that he passed early. If he was still alive, yes, he probably would still be doing amazing things, but Primo has been around to prove that he is still doing amazing things. And his legacy, people don't appreciate him because he passed. They appreciate him because he's DJ Premier and that he has been a cornerstone in the New York and the East Coast hip-hop scene. I hear you. I get it with certain artists. A lot of times when certain artists do pass, they they do get that. Like They, they do get uh, heralded as being legends. But with him, I think it's a lot different. I feel like... So here's the thing with him. He didn't have those super high peaks when he was alive because a lot of what he was doing was not for the bigger artists as much. So he wasn't working for when he came out after Primo, so he didn't even have a chance to be on the debuts of those classic albums. But he still was instrumental with the Q-Tip. Like, you have the Breathe and Stop type songs and Let's Ride. And he was a huge part, you know, So Quarians and working with The Roots. And, of course, the Far, the far Side songs I mentioned he rocked with Buster Rhymes. Like Buster Rhymes basically has a Dilla song on every album. And he kind of had that Tupac way of being um, prolific where even for years and years after he's dead, he has, he has all these beats sitting there that people still use and they're still fire. And I feel like with his, with his, his style of production, it's still try, people try to imitate it a whole lot. Like Primo for sure is imitated all throughout the 90s and 2000s and you still hear Primo drums. But Dilla is like, even when he was still alive, I think a lot of folks are trying to emulate that style. And he influenced a lot of producers who were in that same era. Like, even when you hear High Tech, High Tech might have had a higher peak than Dilla at the time. Like, if you think about 2001, High Tech had the song with John L, Round and Round. But his style kind of came from Dilla, I would say. They're both Midwest, too. Um, of course, Dilla was Detroit and High Tech was Ohio. But I feel like that kind of offbeat swing that you heard, even when you hear songs like Music Just Friends, them, them offbeat hi-hats, I feel like that kind of came from what Dilla was doing. I think a lot of his influence uh, showed even when his name wasn't as big. So even if you listen to Janet Jackson, we love Velvet Rope, uh, Got Till It's Gone. It's like that song was um, basically Jimmy Jam and Terry making a Dilla-type track. Like they heard what Dilla did and they remade a Dilla track. And then Dilla went and remixed it just to have his his own version of it. So you hear that and it's like you you, you see where that influence was and he, he rocked with folks like Les Nubians, too, and gave them just some some true bangers. And I'll throw it back to you. Yeah, Dilla's great. He is. And I appreciate all the work that he's done for everybody. But I stand firm in a lot of his work being honored after his death. There's a certain bit of hype there. Like, I'm not saying he's all hype because he is one of the best. But there's a certain level of hype. And there's a reason why his work wasn't as popular 
while he was alive as it has been in his death. Like you take somebody like Premier and you know, he's worked with the legends like KRS one, the Biggies, the Nas's, uh I mean even his work with Guru with Gangstar, you know, that's great. He's also worked with the heavy D's, but then he can he's proven that he can work with an entire new generation of people and his style is still popular. So he's still here doing his style that other people have been trying to imitate for over 20 years now, but it's still only one DJ premiere, and he is the king of the East Coast. I feel it. I feel like Jadilla is still the king of just the sample creativity. I feel like as much as I love Primo samples and what he's done on a lot of songs, it's certain tracks with Dilla that I don't think any other producer would hear what he hears and make make what he did of it. And one thing I can say, too, is Primo's style, it's a legendary classic style that he didn't have to change, but it's kind of been the same sound overall. So no matter who he's working with, that same Jay-Z song sounds just like the the Biggie, sounds just like the Heavy, sounds just like the Gangstar. Dilla was always able to modify his sound for each artist. So what he did for Common, didn't sound like Tribe, it didn't sound like Farside, it didn't sound like Busta, didn't sound like, like Erica, it didn't sound like the Mint Condition remix he did. So I feel like, and he didn't have those exact heights, so I will give Primo that part of it. But at the same time, the fact that he had so much to listen to because he's not the only producer who's died in the last 20, 25 years. And with that, he he still reigned supreme and he still got major love when he was alive. It's just that he came out in the era that wasn't the golden age of hip hop, but he was right after that and he was the king of that era, I would say. And that's that's where I'll, I'll go ahead and um, rest my case. So at this time, our producers will deliberate. Uh, hopefully they, they already got some, uh, some of that Erica Badu or something that Dilla produced in their headphones or something, and <laughs> that can influence that decision. But we'll go ahead and let them deliberate, and we'll see what they come up with. Well, well, well. Getting tired of y'all every two weeks. <laughs> These were some good arguments. Um, but I will say I'm going with Jay Dilla this time. Right off the bat, like, the examples of the songs and the artists, the variety around that, like the moments that they created, whether it was posthumous or not, like it was just a moment. So it continues to be. So I'm going with him, although I think DJ Premier is super talented and definitely like made his mark in early hip hop. Um, Cause I love Biggie and all that sound from that particular era. But, I mean, so many of the songs that Jay Dilla did, I can turn on right now and still do. And I'm like, and then you you had to bring Janet back in there. And hey. I'm like, come on. Hey, that's not fair. So, this hey. week, I just, the hey. argument was so strong. So I'm going with that. So I'm actually going to have to sit this one out. Um, as our listeners probably know, um, I'm the only non-music professional here. And I know that both these men are quite legends, but most of the things that you named, I have no clue what they are. Like, I need actual songs and not just the artists they worked on. I don't want to be disrespectful to either artist. So just for all fairness, I'm going to recuse myself from voting this week. Understood. I mean, I mean it's, we'll let the audience decide. So audience, if you're listening right now, Type in that hashtag behind the wheels pod. Let us know who do you think won this battle? Who do you think will win in the battle of 20 songs? Or who would you pick overall as far as being um, 
more creative, whatever it is, uh, let me let us know. Just hit us on that hashtag on social media. Yeah, let, let us, us know, know about that. Who would win in this beat match and why his name is DJ Premier? Let him know why it isn't DJ Premier. Let him know mm-hmm. why it's Dilla. We also have our playlist that's going to be curated. So listen to that uh, that that playlist we have, the official Behind the Wheels playlist. It's in the liner notes once again. So if you have any suggestions for our topics, for the drop, for any artists you want us to discuss, or even for our, ne- our next beat match, go ahead and send us an email. Send that email to behindthewheelspod at gmail.com, and we'll definitely um, respond to you and make some things happen. So until next time, um, you know, I will be the champion, you know, even though I only had one one vote, that's all I needed, you know, one zero this time. Wait, and, <laughs> that's, hey, how hey. that's how it works. Hey, hey. She forfeited that vote. Either way, all right, all right, we'll see what the what the audience says. We're gonna be checking social media the next couple of days and we will see. But yeah, until next time, uh, this is Behind the Wheels. That was episode number nine. I appreciate y'all for rocking with us. We have so much more in store for you. So continue to just, you know, to, to tune in. Make sure you share the word to your friends. Follow us on Instagram. I am at DJRTISTIC. EB, what's your Instagram? EB, the number four, Prez, P-R-E-Z. So EB for Prez. EB for Prez. Okay. And make sure that you go ahead and rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Leave that feedback for us. And once again, check out that playlist. We have the links in the show notes. And I want to thank you all once again for listening. This is Behind the Wheels Podcast. Catch me on Twitch every weekend, 8 p.m. Pacific, 11 p.m. Eastern. And that is twitch.tv slash R-T-I-S-T-I-C 310. EB, you have anything to let, let everybody know before we head out? Yeah, um, DJ Premier, you know, <laughs> hashtag behind the wheels pod, DJ Premier. Come on, don't, don't embarrass me, y'all. Let's see. All right, we're going to see about it. We're going to see. Until next time, we appreciate y'all. Artistic out.